delivering high-quality, technology-centric podcasts around the world. This is MunchTech.TV, taking a bite out of technology. Hello, welcome to episode 521 of the Two Tackies for Saturday, January 30th, 2021. This is the show where we talk about the week's most notable technology stories in around an hour or less. With Aaron Fisher and myself, Jimmy Bunting. We come together once a week to discuss, debate, scrutinise, explore, converse about the world of tech. This week, Apple records record-setting quarter one 2021. And the UK's internet usage doubles in 2020. Where does it go next? You're very welcome to what is episode 521 of the show. Happy New Year! And it's probably the latest and last time you will hear Happy New Year this year, because we're pretty much through the first month of the year. 11 months left of 2021, and then it will be 2022, and hopefully the entirety of 2020, and whatever painful periods of 2021 there are, will be a distant memory. Wishful thinking, right? Yes. (laughs) Wishful thinking indeed. As I say, it is the first episode of 2021, it's the first episode of January, but it has significance. It has a lot of significance in that it is today, this day, 4,018 years years yes 4,018 years we've been doing this show for 4,018 years Uh, we'll explain why why we're getting it wrong in a second this day 4,018 days ago we started this very show that is 11 years to the day Saturday January 30th 2010 521 episodes later here we are and I said we'll explain in a minute why that was rusty Aaron and I totally haven't spent the last hour trying to fix connectivity issues. Oh, Definitely man. not. It's just the one awful. The one thing I think that I think I can speak for both of us on this one. The one thing we always thought when we started doing this, because back in there, um, VoIP <laughs> systems. We traditionally, for many years, use Skype, and Skype was never perfect in many ways. Um, we've bounced around a few times, and we've been using Hangouts for a, for a good while now. But we were always of the can't wait until Voice over IP gets better or gets to be better. really stable. And as you say, here we are, 2021, 11 years later, spending an hour just trying to get any kind of stable connection. I tell you what, though, I am glad that we tweaked our recording setup because in years gone past we would then be relying on that connection for recording as well and that would just be yeah. pain <laughs> it would interestingly as as you've just alluded to voip has i guess in ways it has come on leaps and bounds and the only reason there's a poor connection is because uh, where, where, where i'm doing the show from isn't there isn't the greatest connection from the main router so there's ex- an extender which pushes it on but it still shouldn't be an issue we shouldn't have these problems 
connectivity speeds absolutely more than capable of, of having them. And I, I, isn't it funny? I have, especially in 2020, countless Zoom calls all the time, virtual meetings, Skype meetings, Google Hangouts, whatever you want to call it, FaceTime. Never have an issue. Never, ever, ever have an issue. Time to do the show. Well, that's a different story. It's the, uh, it's the tech gods smiting us for uh, not doing a show for three weeks, four weeks, three? <laughs> some weeks. Yeah. A few weeks. Some weeks. That's wh- wh- Who's counting? Who is counting? Multiple. We're counting, because as I said, 11 years. And we would be remiss if we didn't say thank you, as we always do, for each and every one of you for joining us whenever you do, whether it's every t- every episode, every other week, every month, whether you've listened for the last 11 years or whether you're just starting or somewhere in between. Honestly, it is truly humbling and gratifying to know that, that, that you take the time to join us from around the world. You're interested in what we have to say about technology. And it's always been a passion and a hobby for Aaron and I and in the fact that technology is we, we moan and we groan and grumble and, and rant and rave and joke but at the same time it's this very technology that has helped so many through what has been an absolutely crazy year just an unprecedented year I, I didn't want to use that word but I did but it is it, it, it has been unprecedented 2020 was a year that, that people will not forget and, and not necessarily for the right reasons I always try and take a positive from the negative and there are many positives as well but you can take away from what was and I, I hope as you join us COVID hasn't affected you in ways that it could and if it has know that that we all send our regards and thoughts but hopefully there is light at the end of the tunnel 2021 a new year it doesn't fix things immediately but we're getting there we're getting there but technology has no doubt played a fundamental role in all aspects it's allowed people to work from home and stay safe stay out of busy environments it's allowed school children to some extent to continue their education allowed businesses and industries to continue where they otherwise may not have and it's not perfect but the technology is there and it is allowing us to do things that maybe 10 15 20 years ago we wouldn't have had the technology or the connectivity to do the technology may have been there the infrastructure wasn't necessarily and that's eye-opening because when we started this show 11 years ago the ipad was three days old wasn't released to the general public it had just been announced on the 27th of January 2010. And I know that, um, not because I, I like to remember insignificant and irrelevant dates, although that could be a skill of mine too. However, we did a dry run of this show covering the iPad announcement, and it's what formed the very basis of this show when episode one was released on the 30th of January 2010. And here we are 11 years on, still doing the same thing. Albeit, as Aaron said, uh, in, a, in a different form, we have uh, the, the setup, the way the show has evolved has, has changed dramatically. We have added shows to what is the network we've stopped those shows and subsequently the the main substance the constant has been the two techies and it has survived the test of time and through that we've had a load of 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 industry experts and those who are highly sought and and well renowned in in the technology world join us coming straight to mind we had eric lanigan who was just a gentleman who sadly passed away in 2014 and countless other people join us including steve wozniak the co-founder of apple in 2012 and then there's you who choose to join us each and every week when we do release an episode and we said towards the end of 2020 about the consistency of the show and that will continue it is an aim it is an objective but if you took the time to prepare a show this week which you may or may not have done you may have your own show but if you don't i hope you can sympathize and empathize with the difficulty that we did have getting news because it just isn't flowing as freely as it 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 once did and again that is 
part and parcel due to the current situation and hopefully um, we'll get better as time goes on. CES would have been uh, this month as well. Nothing from that. There wasn't really an online event either, was there, Aaron? Well, there was, uh, yes, but it wasn't C- quite the same. CES did happen online, but yeah, it didn't have the uh, yeah it didn't, didn't have the didn't. same pizzazz. Although, let's be honest, when did CES last? When was CES last that interesting? It's been a number of years now since mm. I think we looked at CES as like a proper staple event of the year, which is funny because it's still probably one of the biggest events of the year. But I don't know with so many companies out doing their own events uh, Samsung, Apple, Google Facebook, pretty much any major company or player these days does their own events. I mean you just look at comp- uh, car companies um, traditionally over the years going to big kind of single date car shows throughout the year has been when car companies would release their cars but I mean even pre 2020 meltdown um, a lot of car companies kind of moved to that, put a press release out online or do some kind of video presentation or or some kind of maybe in-person thing um and then with what happened last year tech world car world basically any any product world it really has turned into a doing something online a video online a live stream or a press release or anything like that i think one of the big takeaways to come out of this whole thing is events like ces and um car trade show or trade shows and car shows and all that kind of thing are probably gonna change forever i Every year when CES rolls around, um, you always hear people complain about having to go. No one ever, no one's ever made out like CES is this super fun thing to go to. It's just kind of like that you have to do it. Um, that and event this year, I think covers, with it all being yeah. online or all being press releases, yeah, with it all being virtual or, or as press releases, I think just everyone enjoyed covering it that much more. And you kind of weed out all the rubbish and, and it's not a who can outdo who kind of thing in a physical sense all of a sudden so i think events like ces um i would actually be really surprised if that goes back to what it was before i fully expect it to go back to being a physical event i don't think that's going to change but i don't think it's going to go back to being the absolute behemoth that it was before um i mean can you imagine that that many people are going to want to be in that confined of a space anytime soon even post pandemic at this point i think we're all still going to be a little bit wary of of, of confined spaces yeah i i certainly think i agree that the event itself it it's appeal it's oomph it's clout did dwindle i th- and i don't think that that wasn't due to the event it was just due to the way technology was going because we are at a point now and i'm not saying that this will be the case forever but we're certainly at a point now where i think technology has plateaued to the consumer behind the scenes research and development there is some scary lightning stuff going on but it's not a natural practice at the minute. It's not in use for a consumer. And the whole point of CES was always the consumer electronics show, even though ironically, it was a, a show dedicated to the industry rather than consumers specifically, but you get the point. Uh, and, I think- and, and and the products themselves, normally when, especially in the early years of doing this show and, and before from, from covering it and, and looking at it before CES, the products that come out, there were always a number of products that just made you go, whoa, whoa. We don't get that anymore. At the minute, we might get innovations within products that make us go, hmm, that's cool. And I look at Apple's M1 chip, for example, that has been a, a an innovation that has made people go, whoa, that's that that's impressive. But that's within a product. That is a chip within a product, not a product itself. So it may redefine the product category, but it doesn't doesn't reset the category. It doesn't reset the product. So there, uh, yeah, I, I think our use cases, I think the way in which products are being researched and developed and, and released at the minute, and the point at which technology does a lot of what we need it to do. 
into at the minute. There is, again, um, you, you think about obviously 4K is, is really starting to seep in a bit more. In years to come, it'll be 8K, 16K. And when it is, we will need the products, we will need the infrastructure to, to hold that. But at the minute, if you look at, at, and there is infrastructure to hold that, I'm not saying there's not, I, I get it, but there is disparity within that infrastructure in that some people have, for example, and we'll take internet speeds, some people have the fastest internet they will ever need and they will be able to stream 16K data straight onto it, no issue. And then you have parts of the country who can hardly get dial-up speeds. And it's that discrepancy, that imbalance, which is the problem at the minute. We need to think about becoming more consistent with the approach, but I digress. I think I think CS also kind of suffered from the same problem that other events such as Macworld. Macworld used to be this huge yeah. event every January it'd roll around, but as soon as Apple kind of peeled out, it just wasn't the same. And I think CES has kind of started to suffer from that same thing. I mean, take a look at uh, E3, the pre-pandemic. I can't remember if this was last year, but the announcements came free the world falling apart, or if this was 2019. Every year just kind of blurs into one at the moment, Um, (laughs) where basically E3 consisted of the big, I guess three you'd call it, Nintendo, uh, Microsoft, and Sony, uh, or Xbox and PlayStation. And I think they both basically announced that they weren't going to be there. They were going to be there but not there if that makes sense like i think from what i remember basically they were going to be doing their event at the same time next door kind of thing um so part of e3 but not part of e3 and i think that's kind of like that slowly departing yourself from being attached to that event companies are very much companies of that kind of size very much able to do their own event on their own terms at their own time and for an absolutely tiny chunk of change compared to what i imagine events like that charge for and then and it's the likes of CES and uh, E3 and Macworld that end up suffering because of it. Yeah, that's also very true. Yeah, the, the big boys, Sherlock, oh. the events is what you're basically saying. Yeah, sorry. Knew there was something I meant to add as well. I think CES as well, kind of alluding to your point, CES has always been that event where I don't think we... It's been a long time since we came out the other side of CES going, wow, game-changing technology or this game-changing product. But CES has always been an indication of where the tech world would be or could be in five or ten years time CES for for me for a long time has been less about what you can buy now more as opposed to it was take for example it was probably one of the first places we saw mass level 4k 8k 16k TVs video cameras things like that it was the first place that we saw 3d you can go back time after time year after year or decade after decade and and CES has probably been one of the places that a technology that really came in uh, into people's homes take OLED for example the first time I remember seeing that was like what 10 years maybe if, if that with Sony showing off at CES I believe um, things like that have then turned up into everyone's homes five five six seven years later um, so I think at the time we go that's expensive that looks silly that's this that's that um, and that does apply to some things 3D um, but other things like OLED when when OLED um, when we first saw it it was wildly expensive it was really quite a small screen as well I think Sony showed it off with like a 20 something inch screen or something like that it really wasn't kind of competitive in the tv market in any way shape or form at that time and it wasn't dismissed let's say but it wasn't exactly wow game changing and then sort of now most tvs you can buy are oled like i still think ces and events like um have that place in society i'm just yeah i don't remember anything from this year's 
at all, even though it was online and every site seemed to cover it. But because it was online, because no one was there in person, it just kind of blended into the rest of the tech news. Like it didn't stand out or anything. Mm, yeah. Yeah. I, I, th- I think the circumstances, the fact, as you say, there's been nothing in the last few years that has been really hard hitting and revolutionary, piled in with the fact that it was online. Yeah. There's nothing hard hitting. And besides, if a company did have something that it really wanted to show off, I, I, I think they would leave it until they could actually show it off. Because there's one thing posting about your new next big thing, but but technology companies and technology reporters rather, sorry, need to see it hands on, need to try it. That's the whole point. So who knows? Maybe this means this this innovation this, there'll be a stifle this year. But if and when the event can take place in person again, there, there may be a renaissance of of technology and, and and innovations within that, especially the event. That's that's one of the big things I would say I've noticed out of past year or two. And I think it's why we struggle to put a show together so regularly. But it goes far beyond just tech. I can, or it feels like every week I'm hearing about a music band or a movie that's being pushed back and pushed back and pushed back. Because you take something like yeah. an album and an artist would put out the album and then you go on an album cycle, which includes touring and doing all the promo for yeah. it and press and doing festivals and things like that. And that's, I mean, artists will talk about it no end. Uh, for a lot of artists, depending on the size, um, the money is not necessarily in the music or in the actual physical sales of the music itself. It is in the touring and merchandise and doing you know everything that goes with that. Um, and if they can't do that, then putting out an album is 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 not beneficial at this time. Yeah, I've been artists and whatnot that, that are obviously doing that, but I I know quite a few that have just kind of perpetually been moving there. And like an album that was meant to come out at the beginning of last year still isn't around. Same goes for movies. Um, um, I think we read like once a month now that movies like the James Bond movie are getting pushed back and back and back. Um, so many movies that were scheduled to come out last year got moved to this year. And then we saw anything that kind of got moved to the front half of this year. Because at this point, we're a year on basically from the kickoff of it. So everything got pushed back 12 months. And here we are at that 12 month mark. And most stuff's getting pushed back at least six months, if not into 2022 now. So yeah, there's so much that, as you say, there's so much kind of knock on effect that this whole thing has had and it's just yeah releases new stuff whatever it is 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 just kind of really drying up or has really dried up and again that that won't be forever there will be a a resurge as and when but i think companies attention has 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 certainly focused on whether or not they have things in the background and i think they do um but but gauging the right time to to announce and release those as well i'm not talking about the regular releases samsung's new phone apple's new phone etc etc i'm talking about innovative technology that changes markets that redefines it or at least in innovates in some way within the market um there is a, a problem and obviously companies are obviously having a hard time getting people in house to focus on things like that physically but on top of that even if they can there's the next question of when's the right time to release so yeah it as with everything right now absolutely everything i don't think you can look at any industry or you'd be hard hit to look at any industry that isn't linked in some way to something that has been affected by this global pandemic and that's why it's a pandemic that's why it's global and obviously that doesn't make it any better but at least it seeks some comfort in the situation that everything's in the same boat everyone is in the same boat and really it's thanks to the scientists and thanks to the the healthcare professionals at the minute who are getting us through this situation and those who have led the way in an absolutely phenomenal development of phenomenal vaccines that will again hopefully be part of the solution to this huge problem so without further ado we will go on to the quick news a poorly explained update to its terms of service has pushed WhatsApp users to adopt alternative services 
such as Signal and Telegram in their millions. The exodus was so large that WhatsApp has been forced to delay the implementation of the new terms, which had been slated for the 8th of February, and run a damage limitation campaign to explain to users the changes that they were making. Over the first three weeks of January, Signal gained a whopping 7.5 million users globally, according to figures shared by the UK Parliament Home Affairs Committee. And Telegram, wait for this, gained a whole 25 million users. In both cases, the increase appears to have come at what app spent. Data tracked by the analytics firm App Annie shows that WhatsApp fell from the eighth most downloaded app in the UK at the beginning of the month, 23rd by the 12th of January. By contrast, Signal, which wasn't even in the top 1,000 apps in the UK on the 6th of January, three days later was the most downloaded app in the UK. Apple CEO Tim Cook strongly condemned business models reliant on harvesting user data, saying that prioritizing engagement above all else leads to misinformation, mistrust, and even real-world violence. The Apple chief executive gave the opening address during a panel at the European Computers Privacy and Data Protection, CPDP, conference on Thursday. During his talk, he touched on a variety of issues, including Apple's privacy efforts and the dangers of business models that rely on harvesting user data. He says, as I've said before, if we accept as normal that everything in our lives can be aggregated and sold, then we lose so much more than data. We lose the freedom to be human. Although Cook did not mention Facebook by name, the social media giant's business model was the clear target. He said, at, at a moment of rampant disinformation and conspiracy theories just by algorithms, we can no longer turn a blind eye to a theory of technology that says all engagement is good and the longer the better. Cook said. Ongoing conflict between the stock market and the Wall Street Bets subreddit continues to ignite as stock traders attempt to fire back at the popular trading app Robinhood. This recent attack on the app is in response to Robinhood halting stock trading for GameStop, the gaming retailer that set off this whole situation due to the way a number of hedge funds had been manipulating the market. However, as the Redditors and other onlookers retaliated against Robinhood by review bombing the app on the Google Play Store, Google rushed in to halt the quick ratings decline. The tech conglomerate used a tactic that many critic aggregating websites have used before to keep knee-jerk reactions from affecting the state of the product before, effectively saving Robinhood from consequences of the GameStop trading freeze. The exact tactic used simply required Google to find a number of new ratings that marked Robinhood at one star, the lowest possible on the Play Store, and remove them. It's a strategy that websites like Metacritic have used before in order to keep the effects of online outrage organized by players who may have never played a game from affecting a review score without actually having or without having actually been able to form a real opinion of their own. And finally, Apple has notified subscribers of its Apple TV Plus streaming service that they'll continue to get refund credits on their account until June, following a second extension of its free trial program earlier this month. Apple extended the free year-long trials of Apple TV Plus to customers until July 2021. The trials were included with the purchase of any Apple device, an iPhone, iPad, Mac or Apple TV, and were initially set to last until November 1st. 
2020. This was the second extension. An earlier extension had been pushed back uh, until February, allowing users who started a free trial between November 2019 and 2020 to get up to five months of additional access for free. It's not exactly surprising that a Facebook service has had a privacy scandal, is it really? Does that come as a shock to you, Aaron? It's like par for the course, really, isn't it? You can't say the word Facebook (laughs) and privacy not in the same sentence as each other. In in a positive way, yeah, definitely not. The the figures are pretty eye-opening as well. Is it as bad as what was made out? I don't actually actually know what the update to WhatsApp, not being a WhatsApp user or caring anything about Facebook anymore, didn't actually follow to check what the uh, the update was, but it's good to see the likes of Signal and Telegram gaining so many users. I thought Signal's seven and a half million was nuts, but yeah, to then read that Telegram gained a whopping twenty five is absolutely insane. Though both those apps, or especially Telegram, has been around for for quite some time now. Um, this is all kind of funny because when WhatsApp started pre Facebook, although to be fair, even through the Facebook acquisition, WhatsApp's one of its key selling points was end to end encryption. And I'm pretty sure that that's been kept the entire time. Um, Correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure WhatsApp is still end-to-end encrypted now. It's end-to-end encrypted with the kind of looming elephant in the room being that it's owned by Facebook. So take that for that for what you will. Um, But as far as I'm aware, it's still considered an encrypted chat service. Um, But I assume if you just want to leave Facebook finally, which makes perfect sense, then yeah, other apps such as Signal, Telegram, there I'm sure there are a bunch of others now, but those are definitely the uh, the big name players. I don't know how Signal and Telegram make money, which is normally kind of one of the key things I think people have to look at now um, because we're so much in the world of if the product is free, then something's afoot. Um, that's why services like Facebook and Google, they can provide you so much for free, but in turn, they sell your data or they advertise you or whatever, advertise to you or whatever it is. Um, so I'm assuming Assuming Telegram and Signal must have some kind of paid service, or I would hope so, because otherwise, yeah, just the long-term sustainability of that seems a little tricky. Tim Cook, not exactly saying it out loud, but I mean, he he said it in not so many words regarding Facebook. And I think that the relationship between Apple and Facebook has been demising for quite some time. That's continuing. And I think it's the same with every tech company in Facebook at the minute. Very few are, I don't know, I I think they're a conglomerate that really don't follow the, the herd, if that's the right terminology. I mean, this this is the same week that Facebook decided to file an antitrust lawsuit against Apple. Apple have basically said they're going to plow forward and do that, um, what Facebook deemed a controversial change to iOS 14, where they're basically going to give the user the options to be tracked or not. And do you remember that Facebook's initial response to that was to take out full page ads in newspapers saying that they're fighting on behalf of small businesses, which we all laughed hysterically. Um, yeah. And now they've decided decided to, to file a file an antitrust, which is just like the biggest irony there ever, there is. I can't remember if that came out before or after this meeting. I think it was before. I kind of feel like Tim Cook had that extra that extra fire that he brought. This whole Robin Hood thing, there's this this just shows you the power of the internet. I think this week has reiterated that. Whether it's for good or bad, I'm not saying, but it, it really does show that it's not a force to be reckoned with at all times, is it? I'll tell you what, this has been a week 
week where I am so glad Twitter has the mute function. Like this was one of those things that was kind of amusing and interesting at first and maybe the second day. And then by the third and fourth day, fifth day, you're just like, oh, just everyone became everyone became an overnight expert stock trader, like which is just mm, super annoying. Yeah. Um, but I don't know how Robinhood specifically works, but I know in the UK, from what I've heard, a bunch of, I think in the US as well, a bunch of trading apps ended up having issues, I believe, um, kind of all at the same time, which made it sound very much like um, these apps. From what I understand, these apps don't make the trade, if that makes sense. These apps make a request to a middleman to make the trade, which is very common. Um, they have some kind of in-between. And I'm assuming whatever was in the middle is what fell over or stopped or whatever. Um, don't know if the same was for Robinhood or I believe Robinhood might be separate for this. But I kind of I kind of understand what Google and Apple, I believe, have done this. Um, I saw someone on Reddit saying about uh, that Apple removed some reviews. People have obviously seen this and kind of now believe that like Apple and Google are trying to stick up for Robinhood or whatever it is. I'm pretty sure this will be automated systems kicking in. Um, I can't imagine Tim Cook gives a flying monkey about Robinhood or whether it has one star reviews on the app. Like I just don't understand why anyone would think that Apple or Google care at all. Um, this is like like the post said it's a perfectly normal practice um, to stop brigading um, kind of like people organizing and coming in and giving something one stars or bad reviews or whatever. It's pretty common across all. Anywhere that has reviews at scale, Amazon, Apple, Google, um, any of the movie review sites, I imagine IMDB, Metacritic, any of the game review sites, they all have a similar system um, because the internet's current favorite thing is to rally against something and decide that everyone hates it. Go with the hive mind. Even if you've never played it, watched it, used it, whatever it is, it's uh, got to follow the hive mind. Um, so yeah. Now, should Apple or Google stop those automated systems getting involved is a whole other discussion. Um, Robinhood are obviously... I don't know what's going on there. I don't think anyone is probably uh, probably going to know for some time. Um, it, it, it depends what they uh, they are doing internally or what they have and haven't allowed stopped or whatever's going on. But um, yeah, this is purely just Apple, Google, yeah, looking after their own for their own interests and stop people just like absolutely blasting every app in the app store with one star reviews. Yeah. Um, speaking of Apple again, so subscribers of TV Plus will continue to get credit refunds until June. Uh, not much more to say on that. Well, there is something to say on with Apple. They reported record-setting first quarter for 2021, $28.8 billion profit on $111.4 billion revenues. Um, superb, yet again, record-setting, previous quarter thrashing results um, that we see. So $1.68 per diluted share. That's compared to the revenue of 91 Point eight billion and uh, an net quarterly profit of twenty two point two billion in the year ago quarter. I mean, and as expected, it's, it's largely thanks to the, the later launch of the iPhone twelve, uh, and also probably we we can't take away from the fact that, that sales probably did increase as a result of more people working from home, more people requiring access to technology that they maybe didn't have or needing to update, or maybe more than one person in a household need to get another computer. And um, if you look at at MacNet sales, there's a slight a slight little growth. Uh, in the quarter, nothing major. It really was more down to iPhone sales. Interestingly enough, wearables has definitely grown. Obviously, you can see iPod net sales is pretty much non-existent. Um, services also growing as well. 
uh, the iPad kind um, of a constant um, peaks and troughs, the, but it's it stays consistent. The thing I'd say about the iPod is it's only still on that label because the label goes back 2009 or yeah, the graph back goes to, back 2009. Yeah. The iPod is zero of their sales because they stopped selling them seven years so, ago, I think. But um, if you scroll down, it's got that pie chart and you can see the breakdown. And I'd really love to have some of these pie charts side by side with a year ago, two years ago, three years ago. I'm pretty sure that iPhone percentage is coming down in a positive way. Not that they're selling less iPhones, they're selling more of everything overall. Just we spoke for a long time that the iPhone made up a staggering portion of their sales. Like it was, I'm pretty sure it was a much higher percentage than that. Like it was in the 60s, I think, maybe even the 70s, I'm not sure. Um, But it was very much a Apple are an iPhone company that just happens to make some more money somewhere else. Now, bearing in mind the amount of money they were making off the iPhone, even if it said, even if it took up, let's say, 75% of their sales, you know, that 25% was still absolutely mammoth and most companies would dream of having even a small percentage of that. But it's, I think it's nice to see the others increasing, as you said, the iPhone did exceedingly well, but I think you can't take away from the fact that the others also did exceedingly well. The Mac and iPad neck and neck. It's been years since I've seen the Mac this high in percentage. Um, I, I think you look at that graph above and Mac sales, obviously it's kind of tricky because we used to get specific numbers. So to talk about how well a product was doing, it was slightly easier because you could see how many millions of units they ship. Whereas now you're talking about overall price, which is difficult to compare that far back or that far back just because of how much that has changed um, in that time. So you, you take Mac sales now versus Mac sales 10 years ago, while the pricing structure is, is very different. So it's a little bit difficult to say whether they're, they're selling more or less or or what they're doing. Um, but yes, yeah, services and wearables. I'm assuming that category that wearables home accessories is predominantly wearables and accessories, I imagine. Like the Apple Watch, there's no denying that thing is absolutely nuts for Apple sales figures now, I imagine. I think you're right. Apple's income source did for a while become very polarized towards the iPhone. That was a concern because obviously relying on one single income source, whether it's successful or not at any given time, isn't necessarily wise, especially when other industries are either declining or leveling off. And I'm looking more at the iPad and Mac and not saying that there was a decline there, but there was certainly a level off in growth. It was consistent, but it wasn't exponential. So clearly what's happened here is price went up with the iPhone. People aren't buying them as often. The release cycle is still the same, but the update cycle is different. Not necessarily a bad thing. People then might put money in towards other products, Mac, iPad, Omarble. Um, but the iPhone still takes more than half at 59%. Services 14 and services we always said was going to be huge for Apple. And I think that over the next few quarters will increase as well. And I will be keeping track of that because I think services are absolutely essential to Apple's future because it's those that people will rely on consistently. And Apple know fine rightly but- that as increase of their products continues, more reliance and increase will continue of the service. The services they Bearing offer, in mind, the paid services they offer. Bearing in mind, like uh, one of the quick news stories is we're talking about they're still giving one of the biggest services away for free, essentially, as well. So that number can only go up. Yeah. What's next? I mean, and, and the thing is, as a, as a shareholder, Aaron, um, we always have this chat ourselves, even off offline on the show, but there, there is a point with Apple that you, you must question when when will they, because with any growth, there will always be, and I'm not saying that their, their growth has never been exponential, well, apart from some days, but that, that happens. But as a whole, 
ball, they're always on the up and they always just seem to introduce the right thing at the right time. And I'm looking at the M1 chip because the M1 chip is huge for the Mac lineup. It keeps it so current for a lot longer than what the Mac lineup was going to be. And it refreshed my faith in the product line, but that won't last forever either. And and really, <laughs> is it a car? Is that Apple's next not saving grace? But you get the point. Is that what's going to, to, to keep them in the next few years? I mean, I'm definitely with you on the M1. We were talking about this the other day. Um, there have there was i guess pre-2020 i think we all had some nagging doubts specifically when it came to the mac lineup but other stuff as well like it just i don't know it felt a bit kind of spiraling around not with any direction almost um then at dub dub when they announced that they were going to switch to arm or their own silicon i should say which was a long time coming and something that many people had predicted at the time that was like a swing in the right direction and then when the m1 max came out towards the tail end of last year it's like oh like the like when the reviews started coming out again absolute game changer you know industry game changer i think um and i don't think anyone will deny that it's that's what they've done here is the type of thing that will push others forward as well this is what will push amd intel and qualcomm and whatnot forwards um so it's a good thing it refreshed my enthusiasm for the mac lineup especially i've always been a mac fan i started probably i guess the apple journey or whatever you want to call it was with a mac like 15 20 years ago i mean i've used a mac forever um and my so my heart will always lie with this product category the iphone the ipod the ipad they're all great and i love them all equally but the mac is where i'm always you see it throughout the years on the show every time wwdc rolls around the thing i'm most interested in is mac os or the mac or whatever it is like it's we're always talking about how much we want the mac to do better we've we've bemoaned about pricing and um the number of models over the years and we've we've obviously given it its fair share of shtick over the years but yeah it was really nice to see something and i think the q2 sales could, uh, are going to be really interesting to see with the mac i don't think that the mac is going to make this like whole massive bounce back into how, how do you say it into um the general public doesn't care about the m1 i think is probably the best way of saying it us tech nerds we sit here and go wow this is a technological revolution and i think the general population will just they will buy the next mac they will see it's the same price and they will go this is great it won't be that different to them apple have made it in such a way where actually kind of one of the best things about it is you don't notice um that's been probably one of my favorite things about it is the fact that you switch from the intel to the m1 and unless someone told you or unless you check the, the about this mac you'd never notice mm. other than that i think the last big thing was probably the watch i guess i mean we were talking about this the other day um you take apple's last 10 years let's say or 11 years and include the iPad and time after time just when we get to the point where it's like what are they going to come up with next they come up with the next thing um there's no denying that anything apple have done existed before the i the i with the iPad tablets existed before with, with the apple watch smartwatches existed before but you cannot deny that take the uh, apple watch that it was one of those products where everyone thought it was silly at first and then like i probably i don't know one in every three people i see around now well not at the moment i guess but you used to see around probably has one on i bet the sale of apple watches has gone up 
exponentially with people trying to do fitness from home and whatnot. Um, like Apple really kind of nailed that with the because I always remember them saying fitness was like a, a byproduct of the Apple Watch when it started, and then Apple like realized what they had on their hands. Uh, take something like the AirPods, pretty much. I guess I don't like using the word revolutionized because it is overused, but it's hard to come up with another adjective to describe it. It revolutionized the true wireless earphones market, even if just from a from a from a style aesthetic kind of the way they work point of view we saw a lot of companies kind of borrow ideas from them um and then before that the ipad yeah you know what i mean like um apple have done a done it time and time again with different products where they they come up with the best integration with their own hardware so the airpods look at the way they pair and and they switch with with your ios device or with your mac or whatever and then other companies have done a great job at i think following that ethos i mean when the first airpods clones started coming out you were having to pair like the left one to the device and the right one to the device separately or you you having to pair one to the other like it was a mess um and that's definitely gotten gotten better but take the ipad tablets existed for like two decades before the the ipad even came out but there's no denying that i know some absolute hardcore android fans that have an ipad it's just kind of the de facto standard in the tablet market that the, the pencil regardless of i think of everyone making the steve Jobs said the best stylus was your finger jokes i think the pencil really did take the ipad to another level um, yeah i'm excited but, to but, see where but it goes two, i don't know what I, apple is i i sorry to interrupt i th- i think at the time that was right i think the pencil coming at the right time for the ipad could be wrong oh 100 sorry that was all i mean i think that's kind of perfectly sums it up though i don't know where apple are gonna go next no one does well tim does good old tim um <laughs> and hope. i was thinking about this and i see a lot of people in, yeah seeing a lot of people in the comments say similar things um it's funny one we sit here like congratulating a company for making lots of money it's like what are we doing um and two <laughs> tim cook has i think he cemented himself as aside from the impact and legacy of steve jobs will, will never be matched in apple ceos you can tell i've just finished rereading the steve Jobs book by the way um it will never be matched from a product point of view but we were all a little bit worried when an ops guy got put in charge there's no denying that like apple have under the years of steve jobs they were the innovative, quirky, interesting company that took a market, turned it on its head, did their own thing, and came out the other side with a positive outcome more times than not. And when Steve obviously passed away, and the COO, or the ops guy, who I think it even says in the book, Tim Cook was is never been, was never a product person. He was no Steve Jobs or, or Johnny Ive, or I guess even like Phil Schiller or anything. And they're all considered to be more more product focused but there's no denying at this point 111 billion dollars in revenue like he knows how to run that company and he knows how to put the right people in the right positions and there's no denying that apple have come out with some stellar products in that timeline like i think we're we're beyond the point of any doubt that jobs left the right person in charge of, of apple yeah no i i don't think there's any question either uh, in anyone's heads as, from a from a customer point of view from an um, well not that i'm an employee but if if, if employees um, especially senior management they they seem to gel to tim very well it seemed to be a seamless transition 
um, if you could call it that. So I, for, from an employee perspective, I think they did the right thing. Uh, and then from a, a shareholder, which we both are, I think they did the right thing as well um, in, in, in making that decision. And as you say, different background, but I think the biggest mistake would have been trying to find an identical match. You just couldn't have done that. You do find in business sometimes that when a, someone who's had great success stands down, leaves, resigns, etc. I think the board do sometimes try and get a like for like. And sometimes on paper you find one and then it's very obvious that there's not nothing at all like at all. It, it looked very similar on paper but just wasn't in practice. And that's because it might look similar on paper. The person might have similar credentials, similar backgrounds. Not that anyone really did to jobs, but you know where I'm coming from. Um, it just doesn't work. I think you have to have, the, especially with a company of, of, of that sentiment, you need the right person full stop. I think... Um, and, and Cook was the right one for the job. I think the best outcome, which as you say is what Apple got, is you don't put a solely a product guy or solely a marketing or sales guy and you put someone in who understands both sides is obviously going to be biased towards one or, or you kind of lean one way more than the other. Um, but you put someone in who can, who knows that if they're not a product person, they put the product people in place and let them do their thing. And I think that's something that Apple and a number of other companies have, have been very good at recently. Um, it's a big company now. Apple are not the small underdog anymore. They're the most valuable company in the world. Um, they are a completely different company to what they were 10 years ago. Um, and it, it it's crazy. It's funny because I think you're kind of seeing it's kind of this weird, I, I don't know how to say, it, resurgence of these uh, these big companies, uh, uh, big tech companies. I was thinking about it the other day. Like when we started the show, Microsoft, very different company to what they are today. Microsoft have gone from being that corporate, uh, I don't know, Windows focused, whatever you want to call it, with a side of like, oh, we've dabbled in it. We, we do the Xbox type thing. That's our fun side. Whereas the this the the Satya Nadella led Microsoft seems like a very different company in a positive way it just like it's kind of interesting how we're seeing this resurgence and these different ways of running these different companies i think it's super interesting to see just how quickly perception can change as well moving with the times i think is the thing moving with the industry is what what you can see UK internet just more than doubled in 2020 as people stayed home during the coronavirus pandemic. Boxing Day was the busiest day for broadband users, according to data from OpenReach, which runs much of the UK's broadband network. Over the festive period, large parts of the country were put into tier four restrictions and Christmas gatherings were limited. Live sport, online gaming and home working all contributed to the boost. OpenReach obviously operates the cables, ducts, and other infrastructure used by many of the providers. That includes BT and Sky. They said this year, OpenReach customers consumed 50,000 petabytes of data compared to 22,000 in 2019. Now, I'm just going to think about a petabyte because one petabyte is the equivalent of 1,024 terabytes or a million gigabytes. So the value 50,000 petabytes is the equivalent of... 50 billion gigabytes. Now, isn't that a value that you can't really comprehend? That's 50 billion just, gigabytes. That's just open reach customers as well. Yeah. That's scary. Scary. Properties connected to fiber broadband used on average 9 gigabytes of data a day. On Boxing Day, a record 210 petabytes was used on the network. Obviously, this is down to a mixture of video calls and more reliance of streaming and so on and so forth. But that's my point entirely. If, if this pandemic had have happened 10, 15, 
20 years ago, the infrastructure would just not have been in place to withhold that level of usage. And it's only that the infrastructure is in place now that we have, I was going to say we've sailed through this, but that that's a bit thoughtless. I, I, I don't mean it in that way, but what I mean is from, from the perspective of technology, we have been able to, quote, continue on unaided in the fact that the technology's worked for the most part. Obviously, there are many things that we haven't been able to sail through and, and you know, we, I don't need to state it, but point being technology wise it's held up pretty damn well we complain about VoIP we complain about XYZ it has its moments and it's only as good as the infrastructure that runs it but for the most part it's there and it's done a very stellar job the year's second busiest day was the 14th of November as Amazon Prime broadcast two live rugby matches the usage surged just before kickoff online gaming also had a big impact major data spikes uh, focused around updates to the popular PlayStation PC and Xbox games including Fortnite Call of Duty so so really what we're seeing here, and I, I don't think this is going to change. I think we're going to this 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 growth continue into 2021. I think there'll be exponential growth yet again. For sure. Um, and I think, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say the, just talking about, uh, just going back to what you were saying about, I think we've talked about this before as well, but had this been any other time, had this been any other decade in history, how, how much different it would be? I mean, you think about it, it's kind of the ripple effect that it causes as well. How many, pe- how many more people would have broken restrictions that we have in place in this country if they didn't have the ability to video call friends and family um if the only way of, of contacting them was was or like kind of with any visual uh, representation was in person um like how much has that just simple things like that had that ripple effect of helping slow the spread as much as humanly possible now obviously that doesn't there are still people that have done whatever they've done and, and caused whatever they've caused but i think i'm reading so many people who are saying talking around i imagine going on the end of this month it will be a year since they've seen family members in person but a lot of people have been having daily weekly whatever it is video calls with people because the technology is there to allow it and i just dread to imagine how different all this would be without that without that um yeah without without any kind of video calling especially um i can't think of any other technology at the moment that's probably been as important for education for work for for just keeping up with friends and family um, i know so many people who are doing like uh, games nights with their entire family uh, through like zoom and whatnot um which to be fair for some people they've been saying it's actually like a new thing um they live in different parts of the country and it wasn't necessarily something they would have done in person anyway so the technology and kind of not being forced to not go anywhere is uh, um allowing them to have have more family time but yeah i'm not surprised at the data usage numbers i'd love to see kind of a, an overall like include all the broadband providers i bet it's absolutely nuts um but yeah services youtube netflix amazon prime uh any video calling service whatever it is like the, the amount of bandwidth combined those services must have, have served in the past 12 months i would i would love to see take that number the last 12 months and then show me the 12 months prior as well it's got to be double triple quadruple it has to be some some exponential number larger i think when we're fortunate enough to be out of this situation many well i don't just think i think everyone knows many things will change how companies uh, do business will change to a certain extent international business i mean how how education utilizes technology will change and I think that for, 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 for the better and for the worse, there will be positives and negatives with it all. But I think you cannot take away from the fact if someone had have said to you and I this time 11 years ago when we started this show that it's going to be a global pandemic, it's going to be a situation whereby we shouldn't be socializing with people, we need to, to stay at home, we need to stay away from people as much as possible. And technology is going to pay a, f- 
play a fundamental part in aiding us to do that, in aiding industries to continue running and operating successfully, to continue to allow family and friends to stay in touch in a more personable way. I'm not sure I would have believed you, uh, but looking at it, again, I can see how vitally important the technology has been and how accessible it is too. There is the next part that unfortunately there are still those who sadly do not have access to the technology and that's either because of financial implications, infrastructural implications um, or, or anything in between or a mixture of, of those two and more. And that's unfortunate because I think, in, and this is a different argument for a different day, but I think access to technology now, if you, it's not so much a luxury to have basic internet access, to have a basic device to, to use for a multitude and a plethora of reasons. I think it's now a necessity. And I don't mean that in the way that, because I'm very conscious of the fact that we sometimes over-rely on technology, and I'm always going on about it on this show, that over-reliance is never a good thing because we then lose skills, we lose um, abilities, potentially lose touch of the real things. You know, how many times are people on their phones when they could be interacting with other people, for example? That's a very small case, but you get the point. So I think there's a fine line, but there is a spectrum, and there are people on either end. There are people who over-rely on it and people who don't have the technology to rely on in the first place and that's unfortunate and I think more needs to be done to combat that because yet again especially in this case for example and this is just one example if a child does not have access to technology and a stable internet connection they've been disadvantaged in their education this year without a doubt and that's not fair and so I think all of a sudden the question and the issue relating to the infrastructural problems which and I I say them I don't experience them myself okay we joke about VoIP not working well yeah that's okay We, we sorted we ironed those issues out we were able to you know reset a few things and and get things going and with a perfectly stable connection for the most part and now I've just jinxed it um, but I'm talking about the basic of basic as as I just said you and I Aaron have never been unfortunate enough that we've ever been in that position but there are people who just don't have any connection whatsoever and again that's no longer an inconvenience that is now an issue and so the infrastructural problems aren't so much yet again an inconvenience they are a, a, a an issue because that access again shouldn't be a luxury it should be classed as a, a right almost to have an access to that because most people people do i uh want to think about i think we've we've talked about it on the show in the past how in ways um having access to the internet can almost be considered as important as having access or just one not below let's say um access to shelter food water that kind of thing i mean i'm yeah we'll we'll say one or two below but yeah i'll be 25 this year i've never lived in a house without internet access ever and we, we we've had the internet as long as i've been on we've been connected to the web sorry as long as i've been alive in this house and it's crazy that we are at a point where you cannot live without it for many things and you're right thinking about online education kids and whatnot kids have just been thrown into this situation where if they don't have even if they have internet if they don't have a good enough connection or live somewhere where it, it, it's super uh, poor or whatever um the connection's really poor or whatever then as you say those kids are the ones that are disadvantaged massively the same thing goes for, for people working from home or whatnot so many people have been thrust into a situation where their home setup even beyond internet is just not suitable um and i think we've spoken about the government or each government throughout the years in the uk has always made the pledge of everyone having access to at least x amount of, of me- uh, megabits per second and that's 
that pledge has changed or the speed has changed every year, but that pledge has always been the same. And I think something like this happening really does bring that back to the forefront that actually, you know, beyond just a government making it as a pledge or to, to win voters, it's like, no, nah, actually, this this does actually need to go higher on the, the list of priorities because something like this happening, it, it it's probably not going to happen again anytime soon. Never say never. Um, But God forbid it does, then the world needs to be prepared. And as you say, the the world has fundamentally changed forever now. There are so many um things that companies have realized they don't need to travel for or things that can be done remotely or online or businesses that are popped up because of it. Whatever it is, um, internet access is a must. It will be interesting to see what new normals are like, but I guess that's not number one priority right now. Number one priority is getting the world out of this mess safely, but yet effectively. <laughs> Um, and then we can essentially assess what the new normal looks like. If and when we say the new normal, it's not if things are going to change that drastically because human nature is always to default to the norm. But I think, especially from a technology perspective, yeah, definitely, I, there will be a, a continuation of the surge of the use of technology in every industry and every um, area of of the world today. And that's humbling because we've reported in that technology for the last 11 years. We've seen the, the developments. Uh, if you look back at what was out in 2010 compared to what, what is out now, the iPhone was only three years old when we started. Just look how how far advanced that has, has come on. And I say iPhone, every smartphone. Um, it's not just Apple. It's every technology company out there that has innovated and pushed on um, in, in the markets they're in. So who knows? In another 11 years' time, who knows where we'll be sitting? Who knows what we'll be thinking and looking at using? Skirt thoughts um and and ones to ponder over as i said at the start of the show just to, to end to wrap thank you so much for your continued support of the show 11 years here's to another 11 hopefully uh of just covering technology does it for this week's episode you can find more on over at munchtech.tv if you enjoy the show uh, munchtech.tv forward slash mobile for our mobile apps and as I said at the start of the show interview with Steve Wozniak co-founder of Apple computing pioneer and engineering genius munchtech.tv forward slash was uh, we have a book munchtech.tv forward slash ultimate podcast guide and podcastassist.com and of course a newsletter munchtech.tv forward slash newsletter that does it for this week see you next week uh, first show of February this is the last the first and last of January see you next week February 6th Stay safe, have a great week, and until then, bye-bye. Bye-bye.